Hi, this is Josh Niehaus, Vice President of Sales and Marketing with the Elite Group Property Inspections. And if you want to learn the six and seven figure science of success, significantly increase your revenue and learn how to successfully build professional relationships, you should be listening to the Sell Without Selling podcast with my good friend, Stacey O'Byrne. If you're ready to get out of your own way to follow the seven-figure science of success, then welcome to Sell Without Selling. Tune in with renowned international speaker Stacey O'Byrne as she shows you how mastering relationships, achieving the proper mindset, and attaining the necessary motivation will catapult you away from failure and onto your journey to greatness. And now, here is your host, Stacey O'Byrne. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Sell Without Selling. I'm your host, Stacey O'Byrne, and I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. Today, I'm speaking with a really good friend of mine, Josh Niehaus. Josh moved to California with $100 in his pocket in 2008. Now that's a scary move. His only options were to grow or to give up. In 2009, he joined the elite group termite division. The division was on the verge of shutting its doors after the recent market collapse. Josh implemented changes in the system and daily routines of the employees in six months. The production increased 400% and Josh was promoted to manager of the whole division at age 23. He currently is the vice president of sales and marketing for Elite Group. The company has grown an average of 22% annually with his leadership. His focus is to share ideas that work with agents to help grow their business. There's so much more you don't know about Josh, and I am so excited for you to hear some more of his accomplishments. I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. I'm so excited for you to get to know Josh and hear our conversation today. And really quick, if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, sales professional, and you haven't hit the level of success that you've wanted or needed, or if you're stuck in needing a pivot in your business and your success, or you just want more, and you understand the importance of having a coach to help identify the blind spots, increase accountability, and help with success strategies to take you, your business, and your income, and especially your success, to the next level. If this sounds like something for you, then head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. There's a quick application there that will lead to a phone call with us to make sure we're a good fit for each other. Okay, let's do this. Josh, welcome to the show. Stacy, thanks so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this ever since I saw you last in your classroom. <laughs> you know what? I have too. You are a dynamo, dynamic, and just a force to be reckoned with. And I've been so excited for our listeners to hear a lot about your journey and who you are. You and I have a lot in common as far as starting out young, achieving young, and just blowing things up. So what got, what first, how does anyone move to Southern California with $100 in their pocket? Well, that's a, that is a question and, and I'll do a condensed version. I was, uh, grew up in South Dakota, small town, and you kind of get that small town vibe. 
And it snows a lot in South Dakota in, in some winters and, you know, seasonal depression. I'm a true believer is a real, is a real experience. Um, and I, I had went through a bad breakup. I started drinking real heavily, you know, drinking is really common in you know, the small rural towns and, and I started drinking heavy and it's a, it got to a point in my head where I said, Hey, I need to get away from this environment. So I said, I'm going to sell everything. I sold my car. I couldn't afford a plane ticket to Southern California. So I got one to Vegas and on the morning of my mom was dropping me off at the airport. I couldn't get a hold of my ride that was supposed to pick me up from, to take me from Vegas to Southern California. And I'm like, I'm going anyway. I'm going anyway. I actually ended up sitting at the airport for 12 hours and finally got a ride over to Southern California. And I quickly realized that it wasn't South Dakota that was the problem. It was myself. So I ended up hanging out with all the same people. And that $100 went really quickly. And I found myself in a, a couple of predicaments because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So what, what shifted for you? How did you just step up and make the decision that giving up wasn't going to happen? I think that was a, the whole journey really helped me. So in it, and I, I could take it in little bite-sized pieces. First, it, it was my attitude. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember this was right when the market crashed and I was calling places and I was calling them two or three times. And I remember I called the Cocos and they said, Hey, this is the third time you've called here. The market's really bad right now. We're probably gonna, not going to hire for two years. Please don't call back. And I said, thank you so much for your time. I hope you have a great day. And I hung up. And as I'm walking back into the house, I get a, they call me back and they said, Hey, we want you to come in for an interview just to let you know it's the worst shifts ever. And I'm like, cool, I will be there. Thank you so much. So I got an in and that was, that was my second job that I got. Um, my first job was actually, I got in a line at Carl's Jr. drive-thru. I was picking up the change, you know, that people drop in the drive-thru window. Mm -hmm. And I went in there and I, the guy must've saw me. He's like, hey, here's this coupon. And he ended up hiring me to go door knocking for sales for his construction company. Coco's was my second job. And... Every night, the worst shifts, like 11.30, 11.45, a gentleman would come in at night and he said, hey, I want a burger. Well, I used to be a server. So I, I got used to his pattern Tuesdays at 11.45, he's in. So one night he walked in, the burger was there. He's like, oh, thank you so much. And then he hired, I got a third job at a, at a restaurant called Clubhouse 66 in Glendora. And in that process, I learned, you know, no work is above me. No work is above me. Mm -hmm. Action is important. And when I put myself out there, when I didn't start feeling sorry for myself, but when I maintained that positive mental attitude, yep. I realized that that led me to the next step in the journey. If I was willing to have the awareness to see that next step and there, to see that next opportunity. And I'm so glad that I had that opportunity, but here's the big, big pivot for me. I had moved down here because I had a friend down here and we were, I was homeless. Like we had no place to live. And I remember one night, just to paint the picture, we were so excited one night, there was a, a donut shop and I we were so hungry. And I was like, I wonder if they throw the donuts away in the trash can. Mm. Went over there and there was this giant, I'm talking giant, massive bag of donuts that we pulled out. 
And I remember we ripped into it and we're on our second donut and we're eating it. And I'm just, we look at each other and we're just laughing because we're like, you know, you get the sugar rush, you haven't eaten. And it's just like this moment when we finally signed a, we signed a lease, me and that same individual that did that, we signed a lease and I had come back from working three jobs. Now I came back at night. It was like two o'clock in the morning and all of his stuff was gone out of the apartment. And I'm like, "Uh Oh, Hey James, what's going on? He said, I'm moving back to South Dakota. I can't make it here. And that's when I felt the emotional shift. I'm feeling it even right now. I said, that is his story and it's not going to be mine. And that I just, from that moment on, I just made the decision. I'm going to forge forward and do whatever it takes. Wow. You were what? 21, 22 by then. Yep. Right around. Yep. 21. Wow. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy because everyone has different levels of bottoms, right? For, for some people, they, they, they hit a bottom and might, might not be, you know, hard bottom, but they hit a bottom and it's because of the economy or it's because of their excuses or it's because of habits or behaviors, no matter what, you know, we go through uh, valleys on a continual basis. And when, when we hit that, that said bottom, no matter how deep or shallow it is, it's where we meet ourselves, right? And it's, it's that introduction to ourselves that either makes us or breaks us, right? It sounds like he met himself and it broke him. And it sounds like you met yourself and it made you. Yeah, I guess that's a good way to put it. So, so what did you, what did you do from that point? How did you dig in? What did you tap into? So just like the, each opportunity that I said yes to, like, yes, I'll go door knock. Yes, I'll work the worst shifts as a host and not make any tips. And yes, I'll, I'll be a busser. So I was a busser at a restaurant. And I remember when I, when I went there, I got a $100 tip the very first night that I worked. And I was like, I made it. This feels so good. Like, I don't have to eat potatoes anymore. Wow. Like I was eating p- potatoes and like, I would find creative ways to make potatoes a hundred different ways. Mm-hmm. Just having that positive attitude, I would go to work and I have a positive attitude and I would, uh, other people, they're attracted to that. Yeah. So then I got a, I got a, another job offer. I actually met my girlfriend who is now my wife. She was a host in that, in that restaurant. And she had, mentioned that, Hey, there's this elite group company and they're hiring for a pest control salesperson. And I remember this is a very distinct memory for me. She came to pick me up to take me to the interview. And I told her, you know what? I'm probably not going to go. Sales is not my thing. I've never really been in sales. I'm not going to go. And she said, get in the car, get in the car. And she, we got in the car. I went and I talked I knew zero about pest control and zero about sales. Wow. Every day I made a hundred phone calls every single day. On average, I would get two people to say yes. You know, when you're making a hundred cold, cold, cold calls, you get people that yell at you. I would leave 60 voicemails a day. Hey, this is Josh with the elite group. Wanted to see if you needed pest control. You know, this, this pitch, I would get calls back. In six months, we took that route from $4,000 to $22,000 of recurring revenue. Wow. And I knew nothing about sales, but what I did know was I was hungry. Mm-hmm. I, was tired of, I was tired of eating the potatoes. I was tired of 
I was tired of that. So I was really motivated to just do whatever to get out of that, mm-hmm. to get out of that current situation. And that the pain of the rejection was nothing compared to the pain of my external reality at that point in time. Yeah. You know, that's, that's an amazing point. We, um, so many people, their, their mindset clouds their ability to really focus on what it is they want, as opposed to what it is they don't want. And for people that have watched The Secret, and look, Rhonda Byrne did an amazing job on The Secret. However, one of the biggest parts of the secret that got left out was the action Mm, yep you have to have both you have to have that positive mental attitude you have to have a strong mindset and then it's necessary to back that with action and so many people don't because they get so far down they don't let themselves lift themselves back up Mm -hmm. right Yep, absolutely. I find it really funny that that you were attempting to convince yourself that you weren't good at sales when everything you did up to that point was selling. <laughs> yes. And and even while I was saying that, that was coming up for me. It's like now I came to the realization that I was selling long before this. It, mm-hmm. You're selling to the customers. You got to sell to get in that job. Yeah. And, and I really think Every a lot of people are salespeople and they don't know it. We're all selling something. We're we're either selling ourselves short or we're selling ourselves close closer to our goals and closer to our dreams. Yeah. I tell people all the time in every buy-sell encounter, there is always a buyer and there is always a seller. Which role are you assuming? Because mm-hmm. if your customer gives you an objection and you buy that objection, you just became the buyer, right? That is that is powerful, powerful, powerful. Classic Stacy right there. That's classic <laughs> Stacy. <laughs> so I take it when you were in your early 20s, we'll say 21, 22-ish, your your definition of success was far different than what it is today. So what was it then and what is it now? Then at 21 and 22. And it, you know, those early twenties, it was all financial, like hundred percent financial. Like I, I, I need money. I need money. I, I, and it's like, almost like you worship this money, right? Yeah. It's like, that's your sole focus. And what, what I'm coming to the realization now that now for me, it is abundance in all areas, mm-hmm. body being balanced, all areas. So even I have to snap myself out of it because I've wired myself only to be successful in business. Mm-hmm. And, and to, when I reflect back on the last couple of years, yes, it helped me build. It helped me build to what I am today. Mm-hmm. But I took my eye off a lot of other things, mm-hmm. relationships, family, my health. And now, so for me, it's really, okay, yes, you have success financially, but how is that going to help you with your health? Mm-hmm. How is that going to help you with your family and not just one or the other? When I was 20 years old, it was all about money. I worship money. And then now I'm starting to see the clot, like how money is used as I'm almost like a control. It feels like it has control over people, yeah. you know, and now I'm looking at money just recently going through your program as a resource, as an energy that I can use and leverage as a tool rather than, Hey, that's all I'm focused on is getting a job 
which is the journey of the broke, right? And now I'm, I'm, I'm focused on something totally different. So that's kind of a long-winded answer of where I'm at. No, not at all. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't say you define success by not eating potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I still like potatoes. <laughs> I'm surprised. That's why I'm, I guess that's why I'm in Idaho. Maybe yeah. there, there's a deeper calling there. <laughs> yeah. You know, when, uh, when I was first starting out as, as, as my professional journey in corporate America, uh, the only meal I could afford at that time, living in Southern California, remember those 10 cent bags of ramen? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was oh, all yeah. I could afford. That was all I could afford. And uh, sodium I, bomb. It's a sodium bomb. <laughs> yeah. And, and I ate it like two or three times a day until I shifted my reality. Mm. And uh, when I went through bankruptcy, we were very, very aware that, uh, you know, th this is when I had a business partner who embezzled everything from me and left me with 16 cents in the bank and then sued me the next day. And we woke up, we had the life of, of multimillionaires and we woke up not knowing what to do. I've never not had money, right? Yeah. I mean, let me rephrase that. I've never not had money when I've had a lifestyle of having money. Right. Right. You know, when I got out of the army and started working in a warehouse and building my corporate life and reputation and, and professionalism, I went from having nothing to building up to having something. When that embezzlement happened and when, you know, we, we had to go to court and we spent four and a half years in court defending ourselves from being embezzled from. I really really learned very quick how painful it was to go from having everything to having nothing. Mm -hmm. And we were very aware of how language impacts us as well as our kids. We were also aware of, you know, one of our kids was in our, the, the imprint time. The other kid was in socialization time. So we had to be really careful how we said things. And we never, ever let them know that we couldn't afford to feed them. So we would, we would go to uh, the, the grocery store and we would look for those manager specials, you know, the, the food almost expiring. And uh, our favorite thing to do was buy potatoes and uh, hot dogs and baked beans. And we would make them beanie weenie volcanoes, right? <laughs> it's, like, it's like stick to your ribs kind of food. And yeah. we would make it fun. So we'd make the, the potato, the, the volcano, and then we pull the, pour the, the beanie weenies in it as the lava. And as they ate it, the lava would erupt over the volcano and they loved it. And th that was their most requested meal. And hell, we could feed them for days for like three bucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, and there were a lot of times where we couldn't eat to make sure that they ate. Mm -hmm. And we would never tell them if they needed something or asked for something, we would never tell them we couldn't afford it. What we would tell them is, what are you going to do to earn it? Oh, that's so good. That is so good. And we taught them how to really rise up and, and learn the difference between need and want and learn the difference between working for something versus finding excuses to allow yourself to not get what you want. 
And the way we did that was we explained to them what you need is our responsibility. What you want is your responsibility unless we choose to gift it to you. And if we gift it to you, it's because you earned it. And so that, that created an environment for us where we could protect the imprint, you know, the relationship with money and still buy ourselves time to go through the lawsuit and regenerate revenue. And, you know, for me, a lot like you within two and a half, three months, I started making 20 and $30,000 a month. However, my legal bills were about 30 and 40,000 a month. So I had to, had to keep going and going and going until I got to a point where I had breathing room. Mm -hmm. So the first couple of years was really tight. Being in a lawsuit for four and a half years, it was tough, right? However, it really, really helped us appreciate that money is a tool, money is a resource. And what really matters is everything else in life. Bingo. Yeah. Yeah. I resonate with that. And, and now, even now that I'm in this place where I have like, I have nice things. It's, it's, yeah. it's a way different style of living for me. Like I've got nice cars. I've got a Harley Davidson. I've got a nice house mm-hmm. and I've had to deal with like some judgment, like people judging me and stuff like that. And it, I just want to tell them, it's like, you are not your things. Yeah. Even when, when, when this whole world shut down and everything, it's like, hey, this could all be, this could all go away. But the confidence that I had in myself, it's like, it's not about this. It's about the skills. It's about the care. It's about the character and the skills that are needed. And I could do this again. Yeah. Because now I know what to do. Yeah. You know, success leaves clues. And reality is once you learn the tools, once you have the mindset, once you have the programming to forge the way. It doesn't matter what happens. You have the self-reliance to lean on self, right? And, you know, you you and I have had multiple conversations about this in the past. One of the biggest mistakes I ever made was I attached my self-worth to my net worth. So when my net worth had disappeared, guess what followed? (laughs) You know, when, when you've got 16 cents in the bank and bills of a millionaire slamming you and, and your phone blowing up with collectors, that self-worth disappeared really quick. And look, I really want our listeners to understand there is a lot of empathy here for those of you who are really struggling because we've been there. We've done that. We've seen it. We've experienced it. You know, we've had multiple thoughts go through us and, and we know what it feels like, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so many times I've heard I've heard people come up to me and they go, you know what, it's easy for you to say success is is simple because you have it. It's easy for you to say that money is just a resource because you have it, you know, and, and, and reality is, I also want to say, you know, that zero to hero story, that outhouse to penthouse story, that, that, that people hear that three minute story, that's really a two to three year long journey. Right. Right. So, so even though you're, you're hearing Josh's success, even though you're hearing my success or any other of our, of our expert guests, there is that, that journey that is in between their, their pain to their success. And, and it takes you to get yourself out of it. 
and also know that every, and, and this is going to sound very painful, everything is a choice. You know, when, when the pandemic started, right, when the pandemic started, there were people who stepped back and said, I don't know what to do. And what they did from that point forward became a choice. Some people chose to wait till they got to the other side of this. Well, that's a long wait. Some people chose to not figure things out and attempt to do things the same way in an environment where that was impossible. And some people chose to surround themselves with people who taught them how to do things differently. So just remember, only you control your destiny. Mm -hmm. Only you truly control every moment of your life. We can't control our environment. We can control how we respond to our environment. And that's where the choices are, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. So many things are resonating with me when you, when you talk. The empathy, I felt that when you said that to everybody out there, it is, it is possible and it is a process. So I love that you brought that up. I mean, I, I planted it. For example, I planted a strawberry garden. I, I've never gardened in my life and I planted a <laughs> strawberry garden and they're like, so I'm calling this everyone I know. I'm like, Hey, I just planted this. And they say, okay, on the first year, you're not going to get any strawberries. And I'm like, Oh, I was so excited. Like, ah, oh. and I'm like, they said, you got to go out and you got to pick the flowers when they, when they come up. So it grows deep roots. And so it wants to do runners so it can spread. And then the second year, you're going to get more strawberries. I'm on my second year right now. So I was fast of like <laughs> strawberries and I'm like, okay, so now I need bird net. I need bird netting. So mm -hmm. I ordered bird netting. So now I'm going into year three. I'm going to get some strawberries next year. I'm going to put the bird net on. And it's those little things that you learn, but you got to start somewhere. You got to start with the seeds. And, and like, like you said, with the language, the language that you tell yourself, you literally speak your reality into existence. Yeah. And when you were talking about how you raised your kids, the spells that we put on our children, wow, the, with our words, the, the, I, I, so impactful. And I'm so grateful that you brought me to this awareness because now I'm able to look back at my childhood and say, wow, there's that, the law of the lid, right? Yeah. Where, where my dad was like, my dad was very, very successful from where he was a chief at a fire department, very successful. Right. Mm -hmm. But you don't make more than him. Like that's, that's the cap. That's, that's yeah. the cap. And everything was, we can't afford it. We don't have enough. And I'm like, but I'm looking at like the actions. It's like, dad, we have, we have a lot. Mm -hmm. So just that now, and I'm thankful that my kids are three and one now, and you've brought that into my awareness where I can change their behavior about money like you said hey we not do not say like avoid saying we can't afford that and say well what can we do to, mm -hmm. to get that mm -hmm. what steps can we take mm -hmm. that's a huge huge point that you brought up yeah thank you so so what, what i'd like to do is i'd like to shift gears you know i know that the man that swore he couldn't sell wasn't a salesperson and wasn't going to get the job is now a national sales manager, right? You kind of fall into that category of corporatepreneur, you know, because 
because what it is that you do, your performance really dictates your earning potential. You know, salespeople, true salespeople, talented, gifted, with all the skill sets and mindset salespeople, they don't really care about base salaries because they know I can create my own revenue. So give me a low base and a high commission percentage and I'm going to kick butt all over the world, right? You can always tell that salesperson that wants the higher base and really doesn't focus on the commission percentage that they really second guess their capability. You know, I was a sales manager for, for years with a large corporation and um, the people that wanted like the $100,000 base and never really talked about the multiplier really made me wonder how much they really trusted themselves. Mm -hmm. So I'd throw out, I'd throw out a, just an insane number. I'd say, well, what if we paid you 25,000 a year as a base, but then quadrupled the commission multiplier? And they'd be like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm worth this. Well, I just made it so that you could really be worth 10 times what you're telling me. Mm -hmm. Right. Not that I would ever take away a respectable base. I just wanted to see how much they really believed in themselves. Right. Yep. And, and when you get to that corporatepreneur phase, when you write your own annual salary, when you really, you help people tap into their excellent, their excellence. You become a leader of a leader, right? Because let's yep. face it, true salespeople are leaders. They lead their, their prospective clients from their problem to their solution, right? So, so what in your opinion, what in your opinion makes a good salesperson and why do so many people struggle with it? It's a, a great question. What I've been able to observe out in the field is there's people, there's push and pull marketing and, and there's, there's people that go out and they push their message onto people and, you know, they're, they're missing a lot of steps. Quick story on that. I was at a really nice corporate function, a corporate gala, and this gentleman there, he's a commercial real estate broker and he's passing out flyers to everybody. It's like, nobody this is not the place for that. Like no. that's an example of push marketing, like no relate, no connect. He's not even saying hi to these people. He's just passing out flyers, no connection. And then there's pull marketing. So if I know if I'm in a room full of a hundred people, there's 10 people that we're in alignment with that, that, Hey, Josh is cool. I look like him or they know me or they've heard of me They're They already are kind of naturally drawn to work with me. Mm -hmm. There's, there's 10 or 20 that we're just not, connecting like I, I haven't established a connection with and there's 60 to 80 60 percent 60 to 80 percent that I get to use my influence by speaking what I want out into the crowd mm -hmm. so I do that by saying exactly what I want I want an agent that this I want an agent that this I want an agent that this and then at the end of it I can I can pull people to my message by having you know a luring message also combined with being crystal clear on what I want. Mm -hmm. And that that's another thing that I think a lot of salespeople, they are not crystal clear on what they want with, with anything in their life. They're just some people are just there lackadaisically going about their day, right? They're on their just like they're just 
there. They're not, they're not, but they're not there. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's one thing that shifted for me is when I set a big, big goal, when I said to the team, Hey, let's go to 400 home inspections in one week. That was the primary goal. That was the primary focus to double the company. As -hmm. soon as I started shifting that, when the little problems came up that were like these fires, because they're going to come up, there's weeds in every single garden. So you could either let that moment defeat you or you could keep pressing forward. And when you have that big goal, it's like that's small potatoes. Mm -hmm. Keep moving forward. You're focused on this 400. What do I got to do to be that 400? So instead of me sitting back in the corner of the room, where do I need to be? I need to be on the stage. I need to be where the eyes are. I need to be where the attention is, right? I just got back from Vegas, the attention capital of the world. I mean, like, it's, it's like blatantly, obviously, like everyone's fighting for your attention. So I see a lot of salespeople not focus on how can I attention being clear, being have clarity on what they want, not only for their business, but for themselves. Mm-hmm. And then, and then uh, just not playing full out, not playing full out in their business, not playing full out in their personal lives. I've noticed that about people you, you, when I, that I've worked with them. It's like, oh, you're not playing full out in any area of your life. And that's been the cool part for me is like, I I used to be that person. I was, oh, let me get sedated. I want to go just forget all my problems by, they're solved by going out on the weekends. And, And I can forget about them and I can be sedated and I can stay asleep. And I can continue to ignore this gnawing feeling in me that I know that I'm created for something much better. Hmm. Nice. You know, you, you brought up a huge point, not playing full out. And you notice that that shows up in, in all areas of their life. You know, I have a belief that how we do some things is how we do everything and how we do the little things is how we do the big things. So if things aren't working out in your business, in your revenue generation, in your money, in your bank account, in your sales or lack thereof, if things aren't working out, then look at other areas of your life because the behavior that's missing is missing in every area, right? Or most areas. Now, now you deal with sales people from two perspectives, you deal with salespeople from the perspective of they're your employees. Yep. And you also deal with salespeople from the perspective of they're also your clients, right? Yep. Because your clients are realtors. And, and it, 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 it's funny or not, because a lot of realtors consider themselves um, uh, contract administrators and they pull away from the terminology of sales because so many people have this negative connotation to it, Mm -hmm. right? So realtors don't really like being viewed as salespeople when reality is that's exactly what they are. And it may not be that they are selling a house. They're actually selling themselves, Mm -hmm. right? Because in Southern California, I don't know about Idaho, but in Southern California, realtors are like 7-Eleven. There's one on every corner. Right. I, I jokingly say they're, they're all over the place. Right. And, and the, the, the statistics, if, if memory serves me properly, it's been a while since I've looked at them, but the average realtor in Southern California transacts two or three transactions a year 
that's not enough to live off of. Correct. And, and most of them, most of them, it's because of how they view who and what they are, right? The realtors that, that seem to be the most powerful or the most established successful are very comfortable with the fact that they're salespeople, right? right. They, they know that they're much more and they also know that in order for me to help this person, I have to sell to them that out of the 10 people they're talking to, I'm the best choice. Yes, yes. Yep. Right? Yep. So, so working, working with so many salespeople as you do, what, why do you think so many fail? Belief. Mm. I think when you, people ask me, how do you get in the room and talk to all the 700 people or 500 people? You have to have this undeniable belief in yourself and in your product. Your product, you got to believe it's the best out there. Mm -hmm. So not only do I believe that for the employees that work for me, that I want to create the best workplace culture and environment that I can. So if, if, they've, if, they, if they want to leave, I, I focus in on like, why? What, what, how can, how can I use that as a learning lesson? Because I want to, I believe that this is the best company to work for. And I have to protect you. I have to protect my sheep from all the external. And I treat the clients the same way when they call in and say, all right, well, Hey, I need to price shop another couple of companies. That's when the, that's when the sales starts and it's not sales. It is sales. You know, there's that greasy kind of sales where Stacy, I know you could influence me to sign anything on a contract. I know that about you. You have that skill set. Mm -hmm. Then there's the other part of sales where it's like this consultant and it's this wholesome, rich, you're helping that person get over their blind spots. Yeah. So we'll get somebody that calls, oh, we can't, we have to have it Friday at two. Well, why do you have to have it Friday at two? Well, because my clients get off at four and they won't be there at 4.30. Oh, great. Well, we'll we can still make that. We'll, we'll, do, we'll, we'll do it at, we'll start at two. And your clients will show up at 4.30. Mm -hmm. It's helping them paint a different picture because mm -hmm. they're locked in on, oh, there's only one solution to this problem. It's helping them see, hey, there's other solutions to this and it's my job to guide you. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's where I see a lot of people fail is they'll get that first objection. Oh, my clients didn't like that house because it had, it, it was backed up to a street. Mm -hmm. Oh, my clients didn't like that house because it didn't have a fourth bedroom. The realtors that are really successful are like, oh, okay, well, you know what? I've got a contractor. We could build that third, we could build that office and turn that into a bedroom. Mm -hmm. They're taking those objections away by helping that client solve the problems. You mentioned that earlier, yeah. helping them solve and, and visualize, helping them visualize or whatever style of learning, which you've exposed me to, the different styles of learning is huge, mm -hmm. which has helped me tremendously in my relationships. But it all comes down to that belief. Mm -hmm. And I struggled this within my career because every business gets negative reviews. It's just, yeah. it's, it's part of it. So I would have to deal with a lot of those negative reviews. And sometimes I'd have to deal with them live in front of a hundred people to say, Hey, your company did this, this, and this. And it's like, Oh, thanks. You could have pulled me to the side after that. Right. After the, but you know, they get a little vengeful. Like, Hey, you're, you guys ruined my transaction by telling my clients about the defects. 
And it's when I had to be live on the spot and sift through those and kind of mull everything over and still leave with everybody having a smile on your face. It's because I had that belief in the product. Yeah. I kept that belief. So I think that's that's the main fundamental thing that I think a lot of people should focus on in sales is, hey, do I do I 100% believe in this product? And yes, I know it's not perfect, uh, but we're not, I'm not out for perfect. No, nothing's perfect, but I, we are on the pursuit of excellence, yeah. which is a philosophy that I learned from you. So really quick on that uh on that person that engages negative commentary uh, when you're in front of so many people, the, the, there's a modality that exists. You haven't learned it yet because you're going to the class next year. Yeah. Well, if someone did that to me, I would turn around and say, well, then I guess I owe you uh, you're welcome because reality is that exposure that lost you a transaction kept a loyal client for you yes. because because if they moved into that house and didn't know or weren't aware of that problem, they'd blame you. Yep. And then, you know, as business people, we have to do 10 things right for one person to tell someone about it. As a business person, we do one thing wrong and people tell 10 people about it. Right. So you're welcome. And I hope that secured you a client for a lifetime. So back on to what you were saying about uh, the, the price shopping. I, I think that, that there's a culmination of a multitude of things that, that hurt salespeople's journey to success. Mm -hmm. You know, of course, we've been banging the hell out of, of mindset, right? Uh, mindset's huge, self-worth, self-belief, huge. Uh, when we lack those areas and then several others we sell off price oh yeah and when you sell off price you're always going to lose because there's always going to be a cheaper price out there right when you stand on a foundation that you're the best of the best and you show up from a perspective that you are a consultant you understand their problem you understand the solution and you're the best of the solution. It's your responsibility to move them into the best solution so that they don't end up in inferior product services, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So when you show up from that platform and it takes an immense amount of mindset and skill set to do that, when you show up from there, success is simple. Mm -hmm. Sales is simple because they're both the science, right? Yep. Then engage another thing that you brought up, and that was flexibility, right? The most flexible person in every situation controls the situation. So when someone comes up with an objection and you allow them, you help them through reframing that objection, then reality is there's never a problem. There's always solutions and only flexible minds can really present that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as you're, as you're chatting about all that, I'm like, yeah, these lessons took me 11 years to learn. I wish I would have met Stacy a long, long time ago, but right. I used to, that's used to be the value I would give like discount. Oh, 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 that, oh, $50 off. Just get it. You know, still just, and that was a crutch. Yeah. It was a crutch that I used for so long. And 
And I didn't realize how it affected not only me, but it, it affected the people that I was sending out. It affected my office. It affected, well, it affected revenue, it affected cash flow. But when, when my team would see that discount on there, it affected, oh, the, my, now my, my t- company doesn't think I'm worth it too. Mm-hmm. So it affected a lot more, you know, it was that quick shot in the arm. And then I love that you said the flex, flexible minds and just reframing, reframing and, and, and just helping somebody see another perspective. I mean, I had a real quick story on that. I had a deal where there was a dishwasher that wasn't working in the property. The buyer calls me, the buyer's agent calls me freaking out. Hey, your home inspector says the dishwasher's not working. The sellers say it do. My buyers aren't going to buy the place if the dishwasher's not working. We have a dead deal. And I'm like, I'll go over there. Let me take a look at it. Mm-hmm. I went over there. It was working. It turned on. However, it wasn't draining, which means it's not fully working and it needs to be fixed or replaced. Mm-hmm. So I'm on the phone with the agent. She's like, my buyers aren't going to buy the place. They're not going to buy the place. I said, hey, I got a, I got a quick suggestion here. Dishwasher's about 400 bucks. How about the listing agent throw in 200? You throw in 200, deal goes through. How's that? Oh my gosh, I didn't even think of that. Right? <laughs> yeah. Because we sometimes salespeople, they get commission breath. Yeah. And their, their focus is just on that commission. And you hit on it earlier. It's like they will be willing to throw everything out. We've had agents come up to say, hey, don't tell my clients about this defect, that defect, that defect, because they're so desperate for that deal to go through. Wow. It's like, exactly like you say, where's the focus? Is the focus on creating a awesome experience for that customer? Or is it just for getting a quick buck? Yeah. Right. And, and I think that's what distinguishes somebody as a seasoned professional, as a consultant. It's like, Hey, I'm in this for the long haul. I know that my results, my reputation is worth more than this quick sale. And I, and I will, I'll do everything to protect that and, and, and my clients. And another thing you brought up earlier is influence. Mm. Now that I've been, now that I've kind of worked my way from like literally the bottom, it's like, there's people that are watching you that you do not know that are watching you. Yeah. Your kids are being a big part of that. <laughs> and what? Your kids being a big part. Oh, of that. Totally. I mean, I've had people come up to me that I barely know. They say, I've been watching you for a long time. And it's like, if that stuff starts to hit you and, and you have influence, not on a 10 year basis, but every day, you're every day you have an impact on all the people you're around. So that's been a big shift for me. Um, I didn't mean to take us off topic there, but that, 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 that's what I wanted to bring up is just the level of influence that we all have over one another Mm -hmm. are, Am I raising others up around me or am I bringing others down around me? Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful question. And you know, that's when, when you start thinking like that, that's when you know you're embracing the science of success. You're embracing the science of sales. And that's where the entire equation becomes simple because it's no longer about you. Yes. Yep. Yes. And you, I came to that learning lesson probably two feet right behind you in that, in that building. When we did an exercise together and after that, the one thing that I walked away from was I am the actions I'm doing right now. I'm yes, I'm doing it for my kids, but I'm not only doing it for them. I'm doing it for my kids, kids. Mm-hmm. And wow, what a, what a learning lesson that I, I could take 
And it's, it's one of the reasons why I'm so grateful that I quit drinking seven years ago, mm-hmm. which is my, another thing I, I just want to say real quick. Sometimes it's not, I used to think I need to add all these things. I need to do all this stuff, right. To be successful. I need to do this, 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 and this, and this. What another thing I realized is, is it's not what you add sometimes. Sometimes it's what you subtract mm-hmm. and get yeah. out of your life. So you can have the clarity and focus to move forward. Yep. Yep. I love that. So I, I, I want to touch on something, you know, because I, I want to make sure our listeners really hear this. You know, I, I've referred to you as a corporate panor. Now, what we haven't touched on yet is you're actually stepping into creating your own business. So you make a very very comfortable, very decent six-figure income. And you woke up one day and go, yep, I'm going to do this. What made you decide to take what you've already built and build something else alongside of it? Because you're not giving up your corporate career. So what was that awakening for you? It's legacy. It is legacy. Yeah. It, it's and 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 I'll tell you that new the salary that I have is my new comfort zone. Mm. It's my new crutch, and I want. I don't want to be there. I, when I moved to California, I bought a poster. It said uh, I bought it for fifty cents at a garage sale when I decorated my first apartment. It said fate loves the fearless. So this, this drive in me has always still been there. And even though I've experienced success under the corporate veil and, you know, I, this company is entrepreneurs, they're all entrepreneurs. So I, I got to go into a safe environment where they've learned and they've got to establish the systems and all that. And I've got to amplify it, mm-hmm. and, which is, which is awesome. Now I wanted to experience it myself. And now that I've launched a division up here in Idaho, the the learnings that I'm getting are just like, oh. yeah. Like we, we got our first, I got my first customer. Congratulations! And, yeah, and, I, and now we're on customer number nine, yep. so it's cool. But you can just kind of get to see the beginning of it and how it all starts. But the way I treated that first customer, that's a less. It's like I need to refocus now for Southern California. I need to treat every customer like that. Treat every customer like it's your first customer. Yeah. Just all the learning lessons that come from that. And it's, to me, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. And now, I mean, my brother's a, my brother's an entrepreneur. He, he, he failed his construction company, had big success, got, he went and spent all the money and then, but now he's reshifted and we're actually going to launch a a lawn care company in South Dakota. So I'm I'm excited to step in and let my money work for me. I'm I'm taking that investment mentality and, you know, not going out and spending it on all the frills, which, you know, I still do a little bit of, but reallocating that money and making it work for me. What's that long-term play? Where do I want to be in that five, 10 year mark? And what do I need to create to have the, to have that lifestyle? Fantastic. I love that. You know, I believe I believe as long as we continue to learn, there's never really failure. It's when, it's when we fail and don't take the learnings that it's failure. 
Right. If you embrace the learnings, it's nothing more than feedback, right? Exactly. What didn't work? What worked? What can I do better? What do I need to change? What do I get to change? Right. So welcome to the signature question of the show. And the signature question of the show is what does selling without selling mean to you, Josh? It means having that that belief. It had it's it's almost like you're serving others. You are helping, you are helping, regardless of the product, whatever it is, regardless of the industry, mm-hmm. you have a belief about your product that it is truly the best product to help that person in their life accomplish something. And and that's that's what I believe selling without selling is. And and walking out into the world and sharing that information with the world, not keeping it secret, mm-hmm. but going out and, 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 and living that and vibrating it and, mm-hmm. and spreading it around. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's my simple answer to that. I love that. You know, selling without selling for me has been this journey, this evolution of learning the sciences that really back it and fuel it. And then, you know, helping people throughout the past 20 plus years extract their excellence from themselves. And, you know, I have in corporate America managed and led, you know, over 500 salespeople. And I have trained thousands and thousands of salespeople as a speaker and trainer. And I've heard all kinds of introductions like, hi, my name's blank and I'm a closer, or hi, my name's blank and I'm an opener. And reality is they're missing the fact that it really doesn't matter who or what you are. It matters how you show up in each engagement. Like you said, the whole push and pull, right? Because reality is you get to open the relationship and you get to close the problem. And if you're only showing up as one half of the equation, well, you're only, if you're an opener, you're only going to do business with people who really like you. If you're a closer, you're only going to close people who believe you and maybe like you, right? However, if you master the science of both, open the relationship and close the problem to the solution, and you have the science, the modalities, the skill sets, the tools mm-hmm. to do everything else in between. It's so simple that you really get to leverage the two resources that so many people covet, time and money. Yeah, right? absolutely. Absolutely. I, I will say this. I, I grew the company Boots on the Ground. Yeah. 20 to 40 offices a day, meeting people, doing presentations, doing two to five presentations a week, every single week. Mm-hmm. And I noticed from the very beginning, only the people that would like, like me would give me business. Mm-hmm. Now closer to this tail end, it's, Hey, now I'm able to speak. You, like you say, speak to their listening yeah, yeah. and understand and listen to their problems. Cause before I wasn't really listening to the client. I was just one, one track mind. Now it's, Hey, where are they, where are they hung up and how can I help them get over X? Right. 
And I, yeah. I think that's a huge, a huge thing. And I, I love that because I had to go through a lot of numbers, a lot of people, a lot of meetings just to get a, a small amount of business. Yeah. Now yeah. I do way fewer meetings. They don't, I don't go out and get them. They come to me. Yeah. yeah. And that, now yeah. the results are amplified because I've learned some of the skills a lot through you. Cause we've known each other a long time, many years. And, and, and more recently I've gotten more involved with your training just a game changer, just a real game changer for me in all areas. So I do want to personally also thank you, Stacy, because I, I, I am vibrating on a whole new level. I have a whole new awareness about me and thank you for being part of my journey. No, thank, thank you for including me in the journey and thank you for being part of my journey. And I'm just going to say, Josh, you haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> It just keeps getting better. <laughs> awesome. Hey, that's something to look forward to. So Josh, welcome to the random round. See, I believe that success leaves clues. And I like to extract information from our expert guests so that our listeners can turn around and go, wow, that really resonates with me, right? Yeah. So uh, I, I'm, I'll ask you one or two questions. So let's start with my favorite because... And well, well, I'll explain why this is my favorite after you answer. What does your morning routine look like? Morning routine. Now I get up, I, I have a 20 minute workout. It seems, seems light, but it's, it's what I can work in. I love it. Mm -hmm. After that 20 minute workout, I'd go and do a green drink. It has to have like spinach in it and it'll do like spinach, avocado, berries, protein powder. And, and I have that. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's how I start my mornings. Nice. Nice. So I, I, I had said I'd share uh, why it's my favorite question. I believe that our mornings set the pace for the yes. day. Yes. And, and if, if we have a, a ritual, if we have a routine and, you know, routine, uh, as one of my expert guests had said in the past, routine kind of gets dull and boring. Mm -hmm. So if you have a morning ritual, then you're setting yourself, you're taking the first step of the day into success. Yep. So for me, having that ritual is, is, is probably the most important thing, right? Um, Go ahead. Can I just add to the ritual real quick? Absolutely. You, you are so right on it. I'm glad you reframed it as a ritual and not a routine because my when I started this, it was it was difficult. It was very difficult to get out of the old pattern of not working out or, you know, it's it's it can be challenging. Mm -hmm. Now my body craves that. My body will wake me up and say, yeah. it's time to work out. And I'm like, oh, I get to explore different things like yoga and I'm lifting with bands and I'm throwing different things in my shake. Mm -hmm. Another thing that really, so I, I try to body being, so something spiritual, just if it's, if it's meditating for five minutes, that's all it two minutes, just yeah. sit in silence, do two minutes. And then another thing that I, that I've done is send out two texts of great, of gratitude to people. Wow. That's awesome. Just even sending one text really changes the whole frame of the day. Like, on, honestly, like I'm being real. It's like you have that little emotional moment. Yeah. And that's all we get. We, we get this day yeah. and we get this gift. And 
your your entire life becomes the day. Yeah. It's the day. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I love that one or two texts a day of gratitude. That's phenomenal. Okay, so I'm going to ask you one more question. Uh, what's your favorite word and why? That is a that is a tough one. I would say my favorite word is love. Oh, I love that. I've had to when I when I used to drink, there was situations where I I, I chose to put myself in. And I was in a, I was in a, a jail cell for about 30 days because of my choices. Mm -hmm. When I got out, I had no idea what my future looked like because I was far from home. Nobody really knew where I was at. Nobody knew me. There was one person that met me and just showed me love. And because of that action, because of that one action of love coming full circle, they let me stay on their couch okay. and I barely knew them. That was interesting to me. Wow. Because of that, then I was able to go on at my first date. It was now my wife who has loved me unconditionally mm. and given me two boys, which is like, my heart's just, <laughs> you know how kids are. You yeah. just, you talk about love and just, the expansion that happens with the kids and like every day, my little ones just make me feel love. Yeah. And, and I think that's my word. I love that. So, so you brought that up uh, metaphorically and visually when, when they put my daughter in my arms and remember I, I adopted her. Right. And she was, she was a newborn when they put her in my arms, visually, what went through my mind is, do you remember the part of the Grinch where his heart grows and grows and grows? Yes, and grows? yes. yes. That's, that's what it felt like. It felt like I, it felt, well, it was for one overwhelming because I'm looking at this little alien going, oh, wow, I think my responsibilities just increased by like a thousand percent. And this warmth in my chest is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And what is this? Yes. Amazing. I feel it. I can feel it. I know, I know exactly what you're talking about feeling. I can yeah. feel it. Josh, it has been incredible talking with you today. Uh, if our listeners want to reach out to you, find you, follow you, connect with you, how can they do that? I'm going to give my direct cell phone. Text is always best. Mm -hmm. Text uh, 909-912-4607. Once again, 909-912-4607. You can also find me on Facebook, J-O-S-H. Last name is Niehaus, N-I-E-H-A-U-S. Fantastic. Thank you. I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much. Your success is important to me, and it's also important to me to make sure that these episodes are valuable to you. I would love for you to do a few things right now. I'd love for you to hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. That's hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. Second, I'd love it if you'd head over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. That's head over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. We have an immense amount of interaction on both platforms. We also share different information on both platforms. So we look forward to seeing you there. Last and definitely not least, 
I love to chat with you, give feedback on the episodes, and find out any topics that you're interested in to help make this podcast more powerful and helpful to you achieving the success you've always dreamed of, desired, and deserved. Head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. Let's get a 15 minute call on the schedule. I look forward to getting to know you. Always remember this choice is a powerful thing and suffering is always optional. Get out of your way so that you can get on your way so you can finally have your way. Thanks so much for listening. And I look forward to talking with you soon. Whether it's mastering your mindset, communication, or success, we have more ways to keep you on your journey to greatness. Be sure to visit us at pivotpointadvantage.com for exclusive online training programs, success-specific courses, and more ways to connect to Stacy directly to help you achieve the financial success you've always desired, dreamed, and deserved. That's all available on pivotpointadvantage.com.